Good morning. I'm, I'm going to do this again. Good morning, church. Come on. I tell you what, man, it is great to be back here with you. It's Sunday. What is it? Our fun day, man. I love the fact that we can come together and sing praises to an awesome God and continue to pursue life change through his son, Jesus Christ. It is our fun day. You know what makes it fun for me, though, is you. The fact that we can come and, oh, that wasn't meant to be sentimental. <laughs> Man, I love the fact that we can come together as a church. You make it fun for me to come. By the way, it's, it would be really awkward and boring if I was here by myself. And the singing would be very questionable, okay? So I am stoked that you are here because you don't hear me. I hear all of you. Good morning to all of you who are joining us online this morning. Man, I love the fact that we have this opportunity to reach you with the word of truth this morning. I hope that God is doing some amazing things in your life. And then, gang, we have some people here that are probably new. If you're new with us, welcome. Welcome to Vertical Church, man. We, yes. We are stoked that you are here. We are excited here. We've been praying for you to show up here today and hear what God has for you. Uh, we hope that you're made to feel welcome and wanted and so that you come back and hang with us as we live this life, try to pursue this life to live for Jesus Christ. Amen, church? Amen. All right, so before we get into this morning's conversation, I want to give you a glimpse of what's coming up. Next week, we start a new series. Uh, as Christians, we're pretty, we're pretty proud about our faith, aren't we? I mean, we love serving Jesus. We love to live our life for Jesus out loud, but that's not always true for everyone. Not everyone around us believes what we believe. So what do we do when some, we come across someone in life who seems to slam our faith and diminish our Lord? What do we do when that happens into our lives? It's a good question. We pray. Well, we need to be prepared. That's the next series. Look at that. I led you right there. Boom. Our next series kicks off next week. It's prepared. You know, what we're going to do is we're going to dive into this idea of how to defend our faith without losing our minds. How do we defend our faith without losing our minds? And if I can even add to that, and our witness. It's going to be three weeks of us walking through this together, equipping to have the right conversations that when God gives us the opportunity to talk about Jesus, that we're ready. When God gives the opportunity for you to take those invite cards that are on your seats this morning and hand them out, that you are prepared to have that conversation with those people about your faith, that you're not shrinking back. Because we all have been there before. Why don't we get equipped? Let's be prepared to have those conversations with those people around us that need to hear the message of hope. So this morning, we wrap up our latest series titled Unleash. Unleash, we're going to break free from normalcy and grab a hold of the abundant life that Jesus came us to give us. Right? I don't know about you, but I don't want to live a normal life, whatever that means. I'm not even sure if we can define what a normal life is. But I want to live an abundant life. I want to live the life that Jesus has for me. I want to live the life that he came to give me everything. I don't want to just leave it on the side. I want to embrace it all, all that God has for me in life through Jesus Christ. Are you with me on that? Amen. That's good. <laughs> last week, last week we talked about this idea about unleashing what Jesus has launched, the church. 
That is you. That is you who have given your life to Jesus Christ. That is breaking free from holding back and committing to sharing the message that changes the world, and that's simply that Jesus saves. We can't hold it back. We need to let it go. We can't sit back. We need to go out and tell people about Jesus. Now, this morning, we're going to dig a little deeper. We're going to have a little deeper conversation how we personally, individually, can make a kingdom difference. And we do that by unleashing our gifts. We unleash our gifts. So before we get into the conversation, I want to walk through a couple verses this morning that reveal why this conversation we're having this morning is highly important. So you can see on the screen in Ephesians, the book of Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. I'm going to read them. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves, it is a gift from God, not by works, so no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do the good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Let's just stop there. It's pretty clear that giving our lives to Jesus is just the first step of unleashing our lives. It starts with Jesus, Jesus in the middle, and it's Jesus all the way through it, and Jesus at the end. Right? We become a people who are living for a purpose greater than ourselves. We talked about unleashing last week. But the unleashing continues when we as a church use what he has given us to serve him for his glory. So if we look back at verse 10, look at this on the screen. It says, we are God's handiwork. We are his workmanship. Some of your translations you may read, it might say, we are his masterpiece. Now, I, I hear that, and I think that, that word actually takes that masterpiece. We all like to be like, oh, I'm a masterpiece. This, look at me. I like you know, a masterpiece. No, no. We, I think it misses the tone of which Paul is sharing the truth. Because that word, handiwork, or we translate masterpiece, literally means we are God's creative work. It means creation or to be made. We are God's creation, his creative work. And so when we see this, we are God's handiwork. We can't read this out of context. Because if we were to go back and look at verses 8 and 9, he's talking about salvation. He says, for it's by grace you have been saved. So when we see this verse and read this verse, Paul's not talking about our physical existence. Yes, we are created by God. Yes, God's the author of creation. Yes, we are created in his image. But Paul's not talking about our physical existence. When Paul is talking about we are God's hand, we're created in Jesus, he's talking about our spiritually transformed existence. That when we came to Jesus, something amazing took place. God did something amazing in our lives. A transform, transformation took place. We are a new, transformed person in Jesus. That's what it means to be created in Jesus Christ. See, the moment we come to the end of ourselves and we surrendered our lives to Jesus Christ, a metamorphosis took place. A metamorphosis took place. The old you is gone. The new you is here. And I just keep on coming back to the very simple explanation of a butterfly. You have this really pretty caterpillar up the leaves and climbing makes the cocoon, right? And then it comes out this amazing butterfly. Well, 
It, it, it just didn't like poof, turn. It completely transformed inside that cocoon. It comes out something beautiful. Both God's creation, both absolutely God's creation, but the end result is something miraculous, something beautiful, something different. That's what happens when we give our life to Jesus, to be created in Christ Jesus. So Paul's not talking about our physical existence. He's talking about our spiritually transformed existence. There was an old you, and now there's a Jesus you, all right? There's an old you, and now there's a Jesus you. You were created in Christ Jesus. There was a rebirth that took place, a rebirth to a new life for a new purpose. Are you with me on that? Well, then in this new created in Jesus people that we become, God says we have work to do. We have work to do, and the work that he had planned in advance for us to do, and that is kingdom work. And guess what? Guess what? God won't call you to something he hasn't already equipped you for. Hence, the spiritual gifts. We need to unleash our gifts. So how are you gifted, church? How are you gifted? You know, when God created you, he gave you skills, he gave you abilities, he gave you heart passions, he gave you a personality, you've lived life, you've got experiences who shape who you are. But when you came to Jesus, he gave you gifts spiritual gifts that are a superfusion of God's grace into our lives, his power to work for his glory, to serve him in his church. You know, one of our core values that are out and hanging on the wall is saved people, served people. Saved people, serve people. Saved people means that those people, the church, are gifted individually, uniquely, and specifically to serve people. Take what God has given us and use it to serve him in the context of the church. Listen, I understand that uh, talking about spiritual gifts may make some of you a little uneasy or a little squirrely. You're like, oh boy, where is he going with this one? You know, and I believe that's true because we've either don't understand what spiritual gifts are, or we have been in situations where they have been abused. Like we've seen or watched them be abused, and it just makes us feel real uncomfortable to have this conversation. So here's what I think. When it comes to spiritual gifts, it's what many in the church don't understand the most, and it's what we want to talk about the least. When it comes to spiritual gifts, I believe it's what we don't understand the most is what we want to talk about the least because there are differences of opinions when it comes to spiritual gifts. There's differences of opinions. There's, there's difference of interpretations and applications. I mean, it's all out there. Shoot, there have been whole denominations that have been established because their view of spiritual gifts are different. So I'm like, whoa, whoa. What are we going to talk about? What are we going to say? What are we going to do? See, the truth is, 
The spiritual gifts are one of the most powerful tools in our lives that God has given us to do what he's called us to do. Most powerful tools. I want to assure you that the gifts, spiritual gifts, are biblical. And when they are used in a biblical way to glorify God, not self, when they're used to glorify God, not self, they're absolutely awesome. Why? Because an awesome God gave them to us. He had everything in mind when he put us all together as his creation and his church. He says, I, to point people back to me, I'm going to give you these amazing gifts. You may not understand, you may not agree with me now, but when you take all that God put together when he created you, all that he gave you when he called you to himself, and you start doing what he called you, you start aligning your life to his purposes, what he saved you to do, your life starts to change. You become unleashed. You ready to wrap this up? All right, let's get in this. Open your Bibles. Let's open our Bibles to Romans chapter 1. I mean, excuse me, Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, we're starting at verse 1 this morning. If you grabbed an orange Bible on the way in, you'll find it on page 775. If you have none of that stuff, the, the verses will be on the screen. Romans 12, starting at verse 1 or page 775 in the orange Bible. You know, as you're getting into it this morning, getting flipping your, over your Bible apps, whatever you're doing, we're getting into the end of a near of a letter that Paul wrote to the Roman churches. And he was writing to a group of believers who were living in a, a society under the Roman government who didn't care about the Christians or the Christian life. Then he gave one iota about this whole thing, Jesus and the Christian life. But the problem that he's addressing when he was writing to them is the church was starting to look like the rest of the world. They're no longer set apart. They're no longer looking differently. And the letter he was writing is to pull them back in line. He's writing them to say, listen, this is who you are. This is whose you are. It's time to start living what you were called to do. So that's, Paul start, that's why Paul starts this letter out. Look at verse, verses 1 and 2. Look at these two verses. He says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That good word, that transform is met metamorphosis. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good and pleasing and perfect will. Let's stop there again. Paul is telling this church, and he's telling us this morning, that we need to offer our bodies, your bodies, as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And he says, that's what our true and proper worship is. Listen, when we fully and completely surrender our lives to the Lord, living for his purposes, that is when we truly worship his purposes we so we came in here we had some amazing worship time singing and praises of god but it doesn't stop here living sacrifice surrender sacrifice what it means we give it up 
to God. He said, my life is yours. I'm going to live for you, not just here on a Sunday morning, but I'm going to live for you all the days of my life. And when we surrender to that, for his purposes, what he's called us to do, he says, that is your true, that is your proper worship. And when we do that as a church, the testimony of those around us will be that Jesus really does change everything. Look at verse 3, it continues on. He says, for by grace given to me, I say to you, every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. Let's stop there again. Our first step of unleashing our gifts is to this, is understand where you stand. Understand where you stand. Understand where you're standing is knowing who you are before a mighty God. Knowing that he is there and you are here. There's a, there's a positional understanding. Make no mistake. Paul says, renew your mind in verse 2. And he says, think and think twice as you look at these verses in verse 3. On purpose. Renew your minds. Think properly. He does this on purpose because here's the thing. Many of us have a wrong mindset when it comes to our purpose. He says, no, no, I want you to understand who you are. I want you to have sober judgment. The fact that he uses sober judgment suggests there's a danger of having an intoxicated view of who you are or who we are before God. Now, listen. I don't know if you've ever been around someone who's intoxicated. But if you have, you know their thinking is impaired. Right? You know they don't, they, what they think. They think they are far greater than they really are. They think that they're smarter. When they're intoxicated, they think that they're tougher. Like, you know, I got the beer muscles. I can take on the world. They think we can do better things. That we're greater than we actually are. We're tougher, we're wiser. And we all know that's so far from the truth. Their thinking is altered because they're intoxicated. It's a scary thought that when it comes to the church, there's a possibility that we, while working and serving for Jesus and for God's glory, that we have a danger of becoming intoxicated in our view, that we can become like egoholics. Church, we need to understand where we stand before a holy God. That at the foot of the cross, there's no such thing as super Christians. Right? There's no such thing as super Christians who are flying around with capes like... Listen, I love me some Superman. Don't get me wrong. I love Superman. But there's no such thing as super Christians. But what we do is we see people who are doing some amazing things for God, and they're all doing all these things, and their church is blowing up, and all this, they're writing books, and like, man, they must be a super Christian. Well, let's, let's think. Let's renew our minds. Let's think differently. Maybe, maybe they're just using their gifts. Maybe they're just, they're, they're living like sold out, living sacrifices for God, and they're using all their gifts that he has given them for his kingdom. 
and maybe we're not. When it comes to the church, there is no one greater than another. We're all equal at the foot of the cross, friends. There's, a show, there's those who choose to use their gifts and those who don't. Understand where you stand. The reverse of this is true as well. Having an intoxicated view of self also leads people to think that they're worthless. You ever been around, again, someone who's intoxicated, they're usually like, oh, I'm big and bad, or they're like, oh, my life is horrible. Right? They're just falling apart. They're mentally unstable because of their, their minds are altered. They feel like they're worthless and purposeless, that they have no value, nothing to offer. When we don't understand where we stand before God, we can feel the same way. That we're, we have no value, that we're worthless in the church. We have nothing to offer. We don't have anything to give. We look in the mirror and say, okay, I have nothing. And as far as I know, when I grew up, math, when it came to math and multiplication, nothing times something is still nothing. And if that's you here this morning, and you have that view of you and your relationship with God, what he's called you to do, you're absolutely wrong. God created you on purpose for a purpose. You are not worthless. You have a purpose in Jesus Christ. God chose you because you have worth. He made you in his image. He chose you and called you himself because you are uniquely gifted for his glory. We need to understand where we stand. Look how Paul continues this in verse 4. He says, For each of us as one body with many members... And these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, we or many form one body, and each member belongs to the others. Let's stop there again. Paul, <laughs> this breaks it down like blues clues, gives an image that we can all truly understand. We can grasp. He uses the human body. Why? Because everyone in this room has a human body. We can get that, yes? Do you have a body in this room, friends? Okay, so we can get what Paul is talking about. We all have bodies, and our bodies are not all made up of one part. We're not all made up of hands. A hundred different pairs of feet didn't come together to make us. No, no, we have noses. We have ears. We have legs. We have arms. We have back ends. You get the point, right? And it takes all those pieces that pulls it all together to make up our bodies. That's what Paul is saying it is about the church. There's no different than the church. Those who are in Christ, those people who have transformed in Jesus Christ, come together to form the body of Christ. The church. We all belong together as one, meaning that we are called to live and function together as all the parts of our bodies function together to move forward. The church is not the same part. We're not all the same part. We're not all hands. Some of us are, but not all of us. We're not all ears. Some of us are, but not all of us. We're not all back ends. Some of us are. Had to say it. 
But not all of us. I mean, come on, think about it. But when we all come together, right, we all come together. We work together. We function differently, but we're together. We form one body, one church on one mission for one God. One mighty God who desires to change the world with the gospel message of hope. Understanding where you stand is knowing that full well that God has a plan and purpose for your life and it's just as important for everyone else's in this room. And as soon as we can embrace that, friends, the more we'll be able to live the life to the full that God has for us. Unleash our gifts. But here's what we need to do. This is what we have to do. Point number two, don't settle for good over God's best. Don't settle for good over God's best. Look at verse six. It says we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy according to your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. I think it's important to stop right here and explain a little bit deeper what I mean that we have been given gift. He has gifted us. When a person surrenders their life to Jesus Christ, when we say yes to him through faith, we believe who he is, what he has done, and we turn around and surrender our lives to him, we become saved. At that moment of salvation, we go from eternal death to eternal life. We receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and resides on God's people and heart and life of every single believer. And when the Spirit comes, maybe he brings gifts. When the Spirit comes, he brings gifts to the party. Think about this. You were, he's, uh, when Jesus had a conversation with Nicodemus, he says, you need to be born again. So when the Spirit comes, there is a birthday party. And don't you ever show up to a birthday party without gifts. That's just a little helpful hint. Just want to throw that out there. When the Spirit came to our spiritual birth, He brought gifts, spiritual gifts. Gifts given to us to allow us to serve Him in a unique and special way. Uh, something that's far beyond our human capability, our human capacity, because they're spiritually driven. And here's the thing, church. Here's the cool part. We are all gifted uniquely. Every single one of us in Jesus are gifted uniquely. We're not the same. We're kind of like a spiritual snowflake. Snowflakes are never the same. They're always different. And that's what it kind of looks like when we're in Jesus. And what we do is take how God created us Right, how he created us, our passions, what the passions of our hearts, the abilities and the skills he's given us that he put together that we were able when we came into this world through birth through our mother's wombs. We have this personality and we live this out. We have life experiences, right? We take all that and the super infusing of God's gifts into our lives, and we can go above and beyond anything we could ever do on our own. Why? 
Because God working in and through us for his kingdom. We serve him in his church. We function as the body of Christ. To reach more people with the gospel message, raising up mature followers of Jesus, more and better disciples. That is our mission. Now, I'm not going to dive into individual gifts this morning. But I want you to see is that there are different gifts for different people. And according to what I'm reading God's word, we are called to use that gift to serve within the church. But the problem I've experienced over the years is that many Christians do not know how they're gifted. If I was to ask you, say, hey, how are you gifted to serve the church? Many in this room would probably say, I don't know. I don't know. And and on the sake of clarity, I just want to tell you that drinking coffee is not a spiritual gift, okay? (laughs) Knitting sweaters is not a spiritual gift. To be able to shoot a tin can off a fence post from a half mile away is really cool. (laughs) But it's not a spiritual gift. Uh, I've heard some people in the past say, listen, man, I am, I'm gifted to work in kids ministry. I would say that's not true. I would say they have a passion for kids ministry. They have ability to work in a kids ministry, but their gift, how they excel for kingdom purposes could be teaching. Right? God could give them an opportunity, this teaching to actually engage kids that's maybe, maybe, maybe it's, maybe it's an opportunity where their, their gift is encouragement in the kids' ministry, where they can come around and support and encourage teachers, right, and lift up the children they are walking in, they're having a, that day they have this gift and God has shown mercy, step down and be in a someone of encouragement to them. It could be administration. You say, I'm gifted to serve in kids' ministry, but it, maybe it's administration. Maybe you're the type of person who, who can organize the thunder out of a storm. I don't know. <laughs> it's God using all of you. All of you. Your, your passions, your abilities, your personalities, your experiences in life. And these gifts, these superinfusion of his grace into our lives, empowered by him for you and I to do more than we ever thought or imagined, but it's his best. But sometimes, either by default or by mistake, or maybe even sometimes on purpose, we serve in areas for God where we're not gifted to serve. We get into areas where we're not we're not gifted to serve in those areas and we become frustrated and we end up walking away and we never step in and serve him again in his church. I had a conversation with a guy several years ago that compared himself to Jonah. He compared himself to Jonah and he was a guy who, who didn't want to do what God wanted him to do. Instead, he did what he wanted to do. He said he knew that God was poking at him, but instead of listening to God and stepping and doing what God come to, he said to do what he wanted to do, what he, what he, what God, not what God gifted him to do. And he kept choosing to live that way, to serve in areas where he wanted to serve. 
that is settling for good over best. We can't shut God out and do what we want to do. We need to understand how he created us and gifted us and live that out as his body of Christ. Most of the time, we're selling ourselves short. Unleashing your gifts to serve God in his church is what we were created for when he transformed us in Christ Jesus to do the good works. That's what we were saved to do. And we sit back and watch our opportunities go right by us. We miss what God has called us to do. When that happens, the body is missing something God intended for the local church to have. Hear me in this. You are that important. And if you are sitting on the sidelines, you are missing out. In your programs this morning, you see an opportunity to bring this all together. Starting Tuesday, February 7th, I'll be leading a six-week course titled MTI. It's a ministry training institute. Six weeks we'll gather together on Tuesday nights, 6.30 to 8, and we'll dig deeper into the gifts to help you as a church discover your ministry shape. And I say shape on purpose because shape is your spiritual gifts, H is the heart passions, A is the abilities that you have, P is the personality, and E is the experiences God has given you. Child care will be provided, but you need to register. The QR code in the program, you can sign through there. You can sign up through our church center app, through the events. And this is available for all people from ninth grade and up, not just adults. Ninth grade and up. Friends, we have been called out by Scripture, by God himself, to serve him with what he has given us. The church is giving you the opportunity to discover what that is. And I go back to like when we kicked this whole series off. You have to decide to unleash your life. You have to decide. Am I going to step in and become everything that God has for me? Everything he's called me to do or not. Scripture's called us out. We're given the opportunity. You have to decide if you are going to unleash your gifts. Just be clear. In the true church of Jesus Christ, there's no such things as pew sitters. No such thing. There's only those who decide to make a difference and those who don't. Who will you be? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your love, your mercy, your grace in our lives. 
Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ that makes everything we talk about this morning and sang about and prayed about and talked to you about possible. Because if it wasn't for Jesus, we should be dead and lost in our sin. Because you loved us so much, you sent your son to die on the cross for our sin. And because he conquered the grave three days later, we have this opportunity to come to you through faith. We have this opportunity to unleash our lives and become all that you created us to be. We have this opportunity to spend eternity with you. So God, as this series closes down and we wrap this up, the idea of unleashing our lives, I, God, I pray that you don't just let us just walk away and think, okay, we're going to start looking at the next series next week. No, no, don't let us sit complacent in our lives. Don't let anybody in here who has a relationship with you not walk out thinking, okay, they need to be serving you somehow, some way. It's not just for our own good, eternal life. Yes, he loves us. He, you gave us all that, but you've called us to so much more. God, I pray that we raise the next generation and the next generation, the next generation, that our kids, our great-grandkids will understand through your word, but also see the example of our lives. Because we decided just to let you reign and to live how you called us to live. Right now, I'm going to call our prayer team forward. And if you have any questions for anything that I've talked about this morning, come forward. If you have things in your life you want to be prayed over and prayed with, come forward. We want to talk to you. If you're in this room and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you want to figure out what that is, man, that's the best place to start. That is the first place to start to unleash your life is to surrender to Jesus. And if that's you this morning, you come forward. Talk to our prayer Ask more questions about what it means to live for Jesus Christ. How do I give my life to him? How do I let him change everything for me? God, we give you this day. We give you our lives as a living sacrifice for your glory and your glory alone. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. God bless church, have an amazing week.